Blog Talk Radio. And along with me is Jay Logan. Parents Kids Music is brought to you by the Goldwaters Group and Lounge Renown Records. So let me introduce to you my co-host for the next hour or so, ladies and gentlemen, Jay Logan. Hello, Jay. Hey. How are you? <laughs> How's it going? How's it going? Everything is going wonderful. Um, it's wonderful That's- being your co-host also. I mean, we get to host the show together almost every week. I mean, parents, kids, music. We talk about the relationships between parents and children and adults and adults and adults and children when it comes to the music that we listen to. And it's going to be a great show today, Jay. We have an amazing guest I'm looking forward to coming up soon. Here we are. We're in September. It is now September of 2011, like, does it feel different that it's no longer August and we've hit September? Right. And, uh, yeah, it feels like September, too, out here on the, uh, out here on the West Coast. And um, I know out there you guys are shaking and have a couple of aftershocks and stuff going on over the last week. Um, Hurricanes. Fighting with the Baltimore Orioles to reschedule baseball games. Yes, it's been been a good time here in New York. I mean, the sun is finally out a lot. Generally, all the power and phone lines and everything are back up. I know I lucked out in actually having no damage at all, knock on wood. And, yeah, it's definitely been something here late summer here, here on the East Coast. Having a hurricane, which is something which, which I can I only remember one hurricane that really that just had these just amazing winds, and that was Hurricane Gloria back in 1984 when I was in kindergarten. Other than that, like, like the way that we go and stays clean and it stays dry and. Sometimes it rains, sometimes it snows, sometimes it's unbearably hot, sometimes it's unbearably cold. But, yeah, my heart definitely goes out to everybody who may have had any damage from all of the natural things that have happened in the last week. Right. It's amazing. Um, did you even feel that uh, hurricane out there? You know, I did not. I can say that. Where I was, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. I know that a lot of people have been blaming the New York broadcast media for overhyping it and making it sound like upping people's fears higher than 
necessarily should have been, but you know what? Sometimes weather, even though it's scientific, sometimes it's a show that that they're like looking to get viewers, gain people's interest. But to the point where people were scared, scared, and people fought in supermarkets to buy food, which in some ways ended up not being necessary. Yeah. But- But I can say, like, has there ever, I mean, I know that when I think of natural disasters on your side of the world, I know you, I still remember being in fifth grade and remembering that 1989 earthquake. Were you out there at that time? Yeah, I was. Uh, I was out here at this time, and uh, all my Mac equipment fell on the floor. Uh I lost a lot of equipment, uh, and I'm, I'm right by the Bay Bridge where the Bay Bridge just totally collapsed. Absolutely, and I know that that's an important bridge for you to go on from both sides of the bay to go into the city of San Francisco and out of it. And it's just, I know here in New York, we have the Tappan Zee Bridge, which I know there have been fears about because it's a it's a very old bridge. It's also a very important bridge to this region. And up to this point, I know this is a show about parents, kids, and music, but I just want to mention it because I know this is something I've been paying attention to. Is at the moment there is been no commitment for funding on any level, local level, state level, federal level, on building a new bridge across the Hudson River to replace the Tappan Zee Bridge. The idea that um, one day the bridge might be gone and there'll be right. no place I could even think about that. Yeah. Yeah, so, so today, um, yeah, what were you saying? Uh, no, I was, I was basically saying that that was a terrible thing when we had our disaster, so... Uh, I'm not... Uh, I, do, I don't want you guys to experience... Anything like that in New York is uh, just wasn't nice, and you know. And then you know we've been having a, a lot of disasters and things coming up. We had anniversary coming up of the terrorist plot out there. And you guys don't need earthquakes yeah. and and hurricanes. You guys, don't, you guys just need to live in peace in New York. And those Yankees just better do the, do their job <laughs> this year. <laughs> yeah, and I can say that it seems like it's be pretty close. It's down the wire with the Yankees and the Red Sox somewhat like really neck and neck for first place and yeah, the wild card seems like a legitimate possibility for either of those teams that don't win the division. But yeah, you know, September is a fun month. It's a month of lots of sports going on. There's a lot of music happening and there is definitely Back to school. Is Jelena looking forward to going back to school? Actually, Jelena is back to school. And, All right. Uh, yeah, now this is a, speaking of her, um, we had a little trip yesterday. And uh, like I told you, in Vogue, uh, it's one of the groups I worked with, and I helped uh, nurture them and get them, um, help start, start, start them out. And, uh, so we went over to Invogue's producer studio. 
And she got to look in the studio, and she saw all the gold and platinum albums, and she was just flabbergasted. She was like, oh, I've seen that before. I've seen that. And uh, we went into the control booth, and we went into the recording area where they had piano. Uh, and she, she was like a good experience for her. And uh, she's never seen actually a real giant studio before. And, you know, she got a chance to really see a professional place. So she was very, very happy. Um, so that was fun. That sounds and like wow, she did, Yeah, it was one. And she could see where we in Vogue recorded albums and meet producer, uh, one of the producers, Tommy uh, McElroy, who was one of the producers from the producer team, uh, Denny and Tommy. And he like he said, "Well, I got some kids too," and he was digging on our show. So I told him about parents' uh, kids' music, and he's going to check us out. Maybe, Excellent. maybe you know, if we talk to our producers, maybe we can have him on the show uh, at some time, and our audience could uh, check him out. You know, but um, that certainly sounds like fun. Yeah, and furthermore, uh, speaking of school, oh, Ian, I got to tell you, so this is the first time. This is funny. Um, she's never, uh, you know, used a, pad, a padlock. <laughs> she's, never had, she's never had her own locker. She's just entered middle school. So, you know, she was having a little difficulty, you know, opening the padlock, you know. So I'm sitting there laughing, like, you know, you know you're going to have to do this because you got three minutes in between classes. So, she, you know, all her life she just had, as most parents know out there, you know, your kids get out of elementary school, she just has one teacher. So now you have six teachers, six six or seven teachers, six or seven different classes, and uh, you um, you um, you get confused. So she had three minutes to get your books, and uh, she's got like seven books to carry around. She said, "Oh dear, Dad, how am I going to do this?" I said, "Well, you're a big girl now. No more daddy's little girl." And so she's doing good. She's getting used to it, and she has a lot of homework. And it's fun. You guys who have kids, you guys know what I mean. Uh, it's it's fun. A lot, a lot of work for me, Ian, uh, since I'm a single parent. But I wouldn't trade it. In, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Um, I'm just having fun. You know, she said, "I'm not gonna have time for music anymore." I said, "Well, you can you have a little time." <laughs> well, Every now well, and then, listen to it. Well, Jay, I think yes, this is a perfect segue about someone who we have our first guest who I can tell you, Jay, never always will find time for music. Are you ready to bring him on? I am excited about it. Let's bring him on. All right. All right. Norman, are you on? Yes, yes, I'm here. Excellent. Welcome. It's Ian in New York. It's Jay in California and Norman in Pennsylvania. Is that right? Yep, I'm in central Pennsylvania, yeah. We got totally oh, missed by that hurricane. It was a total letdown for us. Oh. Wow. That's, that's, that's right. Wow. That's right. No damage. Your power is on. You can use your yeah, phone. Yeah, we, we've got lights. We've, we barely saw any rain, actually, and they had us all worried, too, out here that we were going to get hammered, and it just didn't happen. Oh. Yeah. I feel so. I'm going to cry. i got a tear in my eye, Norman. Oh, well. Better <laughs> luck next time. That's what I get for living too far west, I guess. (laughs) Too far west. You can always go to Miami, you know, if you really miss it. This is the season to be valid. Well, yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
Yeah, so so Norman, I know that um, we were just we've been chatting prior to the show over the last week or so, and that I know that you you have a show yourself, and you have a podcast that I know you you, you broadcast during the hurricane. Um, tell us a little about the show and really what the hurricane experience was. Well, what we did, we have two shows, actually. We have a podcast and we have a radio show that we do. Um, The podcast is a friend of mine and I of 17 years, uh, basically kind of sit down and we go over music, movies, all that kind of fun stuff. And the radio show is where we try to expose people to new music or to just basically whatever music we like is really what we're trying to do with that. And Excellent. as far as the hurricane went, we decided everybody was going to be inside, so we just put together a really big show day for that, and that's kind of what we did. We just threw together a bunch of our pre-recorded shows, and then I did a live broadcast during what was supposed to be the height of this thing for us. Excellent. And that's really yes, what that so- amounted to. Excellent. So now that the storm has passed, and Tim, why don't you tell us a little about your music tastes and your interests and really, like, where they came from? See, my music tastes are really wide. Like, if if you asked anybody, they'd tell you my favorite band was Fish, and they'd be right. I've seen Fish 130 times live. I've met Trey Anastasio, and I've had opportunities to do a lot of, a lot of stuff with that band. So by far and wide, they're my favorite band. But I've also been a wedding and party DJ since I was about 16 years old, so... My musical tastes are very varied just in that I've been exposed to so much music over my life that, you know, you come to find that some of this stuff that people think is absolute junk isn't. You know, uh, my best friend got me into Right Said Fred, a band that everybody knows for I'm Too Sexy, but if you actually listen to the rest of their music, as far as Europop goes, they're probably the best out there. You know. Oh, are they still around? They they are, and they're still recording. Wow. Yes, Right Said Fred is, is still pushing out albums, actually. Well, I mean, and for I'll, someone I'll who... stuff like that, and my my taste will range to Bela Fleck, or you know, even I, even we'll go back to the twenties with Al Jolson and Cab Calloway and guys like that. You know, and and the Al Jolson I'll blame on my father squarely. My dad was a big Al Jolson fan, and he really beat it into me that this guy really brought what it took to music. You know, he he really brought it to music, and if you go back and watch the old videos and stuff, you really see that. Well, lots of videos. Yeah, so going back to blame on your father, like what, what other music were you exposed to as a child? Like that's when you were just growing up and to the point where before you really even had a choice to choose what music you were listening to, what music were you listening to? Well, that was just it. I was listening to stuff like Al Jolson and the Blues Brothers and um, – God, country music, for crying out loud. Stuff, you know, that at at the time I despised it all. I hated all of it. I wanted to be listening, you know, to the 80s music that I was growing up around, and I I despised everything my parents wanted me to listen to. (laughs) But as as I've gotten older, I've kind of gone back to this music that my dad made me listen to and realized, okay, this is really the foundation of the stuff that I listen to now. So what was that point in your life where where you came to the realization that that stuff that you hated as a kid, all of a sudden it was, wow, this is good. 
Well, probably it, it probably wasn't until my 20s that I went back and listened to an Al Jolson record and went, wow, this stuff really is good stuff. You, you know, it, it probably wasn't until my 20s that I went back and, and even watched the Blues Brothers again and went, wow, this music in here is amazing. You know, these guys are doing really good stuff. You know, it took me a while to build that kind of appreciate, appreciation for that kind of music. And, and for that, I'll, I'll give the inspiration for that to Fish, because I got into Fish at a very young age. I was about 14 when I got into Fish. And, you know, they really kind of expanded my horizons as to what types of music I would listen to. I wouldn't block out a certain style of music anymore, because I had heard Fish improvise that style of music, and I wanted to hear more of it. Just so many just so many songs being covered and even just styles to just bring in. I know there were, I know that the times turned with me when all of a sudden it was fish started covering songs. I knew rather than, okay, they're playing this Halloween costume. I've got to buy the album now. Yeah. And it was a lot of style stuff like bluegrass music and stuff like that. I probably wouldn't listen to had I not heard maybe uncle Penn by fish or something like that, you know? Had I not heard Fish do an Uncle Penn, I may not have sought out, you know, some Bela Fleck or something like that, you know. So I really blame Fish for my expanded music taste and the stuff that I listen to now. I'm actually going to see Bela in November. I'm looking forward to that. It'll be at the Keswick. Nice. Very nice. Or blame or thank even as the idea. I think it's great that there are bands out there like Fish that basically are are saying just through what they're playing that there is no genre that's just uncool. One thing I no, and Fish is exactly people. like that. I've had to explain that. I don't know how many people are like, well, what kind of music does Fish play? And I'm like, well, what kind of music do you really want to hear? Because they play a lot. <laughs> there, there's no one style you can peg them down to. Yeah, you can say they're a rock band, but you, you can't really say that's all they do. Right. I mean, I mean, they're certainly not. I mean, yeah, like in the '90s, Electra tried to tried to push hit singles from them, but they're not a band that can be like thought of for like this one hit song. Exactly. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that totally. Absolutely. I mean, my, hey, my Jay. Oh, I was just going to say, game. my music tastes branch out beyond them okay. into, you know, even weirder stuff. Weird Al Yankovic, for crying out loud, has been one of my favorite artists since I was a kid. Yep, and I know he's been someone we've mentioned a bunch of times on the show. I mean, personally, the first album I ever owned was even worse. Yeah, that had to be one of the earliest tapes I think I ever owned as a kid as well. Absolutely, just just the influence on it because I remember like a few months ago with the whole Lady Gaga incident and right just the fact right. just just the fact that like there's really like nothing negative you can see I remember like in the late 90s like watching his behind the music and just be with the same band forever and just and like that there's just and just seeing like someone who actually really is a nice guy who has had a successful long career in making music and directing videos and being famous. Right. And he really has. And 
he's shown that he has the staying power to continue just going on and on and on. I mean, he, he's really shown that he has that presence. And when you've got artists basically coming out and saying it's an honor for Weird Al to cover your song, that shows the kind of impact the guy's made on the music scene. Yes, and like infiltrating lawyers like Lady Gaga, where apparently she wasn't even told. The lawyer said she says no, but the truth is she wasn't even told in the first place. Right. I think the only artist, there are only two artists I can think of in Al's career that disagreed with what he did, and that was James Blunt and um, Coolio. Yeah. I think they're the only two artists I, that have actually said no to Al at any given point. Absolutely. And just, just even seeing, like, all, it's going back to that behind the music, and I thought one of the coolest things mentioned was, like, the whole idea that, like, celebrities don't all know each other. And that that he got the permission to do smells like Nirvana by having Victoria Jackson, who was um, his co-star in UHF, who was on Saturday Night Live, approach Kurt Cobain while Nirvana was the guest. Right. That was just brilliant. Right, and the the thing he's always said is while the parody law protects him, is that he'll always get the artist's permission or he won't release the song. He's always said that it's not a matter of the law. He's actually got the law behind him because in that the, there's a parody stipulation to the copyright law, but he's always said that he'll always get the artist's permission first. Absolutely, because, I mean, the fact is, it's like you've seen, there have been parodies over the years of songs everywhere, yet there's been no, like, competitor or contemporary to Weird Al for like that unique brand of music and comedy that he's that he's known for. Uh, there really hasn't. I mean, I think the closest you could come is maybe some vintage bare naked ladies with their stage banter and stuff like that at their live shows. And I'll say vintage bare naked ladies and that the bare naked ladies aren't the band now that they used to be. I mean the fact that I mean the fact that Stephen Page is not in the band says a lot. <laughs> That's you know I'd be more inclined now to see a Stephen Page solo show than I would be to see a Bare Naked Lady show I think, personally. Yeah, I mean it's it's a weird thing to even know that like, just the whole idea that they they continue to tour and keep on recording like we were just getting an email saying okay we it's their first show as a four member band I was like wait they're a four member band who left and just right. downloading that saying wait there's something missing. Right, and I understand, I mean, you know, they had Disney contracts and Stephen Page had his troubles at the time, so, I mean, I understand why he had to leave the band when he did. It's just, I think that it, it really kind of killed the steam the band had been building up at the, up until that point. Absolutely. And even just, like, in their success in in actually breaking from the major label and being one of those first bands to really release like an album that that actually made it sold pretty high like its first week out without being connected to the major labels. Right, exactly. Yeah, so Jay, do you have any questions for Norman? Jay, are you there? Let me see. Oh, it looks like he actually got knocked off. Okay, Jay, welcome back. Yes, I'm back. <laughs> we thought you were being awfully quiet over there. Oh, uh, yeah, well, I got knocked off. You know how you know how these service providers are, you know. So 
I was intrigued about Al Jolson, and I I wanted to know a little about what made you so intrigued about him because he was, you know, he was like back in the day, he was the Elvis Presley, he was the Michael Jackson, he was the world's greatest entertainer. Is that some of his reasons why you enjoyed him because he was the greatest back then? I think that's, you know, what it was was that he was willing to go across boundaries. He was willing to to stand up for artists like Cab Calloway and, and people like that and say, you know what, black performers can perform on Broadway. He really he really wanted to break that stereotypical it's got to be this it's a, a white man's world and it's just that's the way music's going to be and he found a, he found a way even before Elvis did to bring, you know, colored music to a white man's world. Yes, he did. He did. He was, and, and he, he did it. Open. You know, he did it before Elvis, and he did it self. He did it selflessly. I guess would be the way to put it. I mean, he didn't do it for any per, you know professional gain. I'm, obviously, he gained fame for it, but it what didn't seem to be the nature of his being to that it was his intention to become this hugely famous and successful person by stealing their music. Right. Right. And um, and and you know and he you know, he migrated from Lithuania. I don't know if you know that he was and he was Jewish and he was very very open and non-prejudiced. And uh, I did some research on him, and that's why I was intrigued that you knew about that because most people, you know, when he put on the blackface, a lot of African Americans they, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. But they don't know the story behind the man. It was it was to help us and help uh, African Americans. Uh, advance and, and that's that's love and um, I mean from Cap Calloway, Louis Armstrong, Duke Ellington, and uh, all of them. Fats Walter, he really really opened that door. And um, the other thing about him, I want to let our audience know, um, he had like nine sellouts, Winter Garden sellouts, which is still a record I think today. You know, um, I don't know who can sell out like the Madison Square Garden like nine or ten times in a row. You know, that's kind of I don't know if you two, you two could do it, baby, but that's a big feat, you know. Yeah, um, it, it was. So and I, I, I was going to say, and he really, like, like I was saying before, he really tried to open those doors for people. And you know, the guy died performing for the troops for crying out loud. I mean, he was he came back from a if you, if you read up on it, he had done forty two shows in sixteen days, and the sheer exhaustion of it was about what killed him. Yeah, he died. And you know what's ironic about that, Norman? You know, I'm out in San Francisco, and he died in San Francisco, Ian, out here at age 64 or 5, I believe. And uh, um, that's, uh, I think it was 1950 or. Uh, it was sometime around then, yeah. Wow. You know, so I, I, you know, that's why it intrigued me because you're the, you're the first guest that brought up his name on this show. And I was just intrigued by you uh, mentioning him because nobody knows. Oh, my dad made me watch all the old movies. I mean, I watched the Jolson story. I've watched Jolson Sings Again. I've watched the original jazz singer from 1927, the first actual talking picture, actually. Really? I never I'm saw that. Going to delve into Al Jolson's history, that's the the first the first motion picture with synchronized audio was the jazz singer starring Al Jolson. Wow. So did your dad show you? Did your dad? Did you got? Did you sit down there and watch that with your father or your parents? Or how did that come? Oh to yeah, we, sit, I, we would sit around and watch those movies, and we watched them repeatedly. My dad absolutely loved the man, so I, I saw those movies repeatedly growing up. Wow. Wow. The, the jazz singer was what exposed me to Neil Diamond because we watched the 1980 remake of the Jazz Singer when it came out, and that was where I got exposed to Neil Diamond for the first time. Wow. 
Okay, you got you got a good musical health. We have a thing on our show. Uh, we we judge uh, the musical health of families, and you gotta we're giving you an A, you know, because uh, this is no starting from the beginning. You started from the beginning, you know. Most you know, and what never... was funny was like I said, it took me until I was about twenty to look back and realize the the musical foundation my parents actually had given me without trying. Wow. So, so how did you get? You know, you said you went to 130 fish shows. So you kept count, and what, the first one was when? I just want to know the first fish concert. 11 25, 1992, November 25th, 92, at the Keswick Theater. <laughs> and if my parents are listening to this, that probably means they just found out I snuck out that day before Thanksgiving in '92. Huh. I was to a concert. <laughs> you snuck out. <laughs> Yeah, they they definitely didn't know where I was going. I was about 15 years old, so they definitely didn't know I was going to Philadelphia to a concert. <laughs> oh wow! So did you have good seats, or did uh, I mean, did you go with friends, or did you go with siblings, or how I did, did that actually. Work? I went with several friends. A couple of them knew who the band was. Most of us had no idea who Fish was. We were just like, it's a night out. We're going to go party. <laughs> so we did, and. I was just captivated. I mean, absolutely captivated. They opened with Buried Alive. I remember it clearly. You know, they opened with Buried Alive, and from the first notes of Buried Alive on out, I was just absolutely captivated by this band, these four seemingly geeks on stage that were just generating this amazing music. Wow. Was that their first CD, or did they, it was second CD? I think there were a couple albums in at that point. I think there okay. were a few albums in at that point. I want to say the current album on that tour was Long Boy, but I'm not positive. That was a long time ago. Right. <laughs> I want to move back some. So did you go to any concerts or, you know, events with your mom and dad, or did you share any of that live? Not really, no. My parents were never that into the live music scene as, as far as it went. You know, live music was always my thing. My dad's always said that. He's like, oh, that's kind of your thing. You know, I, he, he, I believe he had the opportunity to go to Woodstock, and he passed. You know, so live music has never really been my dad's thing. He's he's been really into you know classic, more classical type stuff than artists that simply aren't around anymore. Okay, okay. So after you um after you um you know you got you, you uh, learned about Al Jolson, who was the next person in line there? Elvis or did you move up to the Beatles or? Oh, Buddy Holly. Next? Okay. If, if you think about like the music documentaries of the day in the '80s, you know I learned about Buddy Holly, I learned about Richie Valens, the Big Bopper, those guys. And my dad was, you know, he was a big Buddy Holly fan too, and an Elvis fan, and a Jerry Lee Lewis fan, you know. And oh. so you had to listen to kind of like you know, like I would say, I got to listen to the old folks' music as a kid. You didn't get a chance to be in your generation. They kind of, you kind of, you had to learn the roots first. Well, it was kind of a mix of both because when I get in the car with my mom, my mom would listen to mod, the, you know, the current modern music of the day. Okay. So it, it would be you know modern rock in the car, or modern you know modern pop, I should say, in the car, and I would hear some Queen and stuff like that, you know, in the car. But at home at the house, it was you know I wasn't even allowed to watch MTV until I was sixteen or seventeen years old. Okay, so that's why you snuck out to the fish. I understand now. You have my. Um... <laughs> <laughs> now, okay now we that. all know why I had to sneak out to the fish shows when I was younger. <laughs> so what, do, what do you think now, like about the music nowadays? What, what's the thing now going on in your life, as far as the current uh, musicians that are out there? Is there anybody out there you can share with the audience that you think is 
get five stars or four stars to some of the new groups? Out of modern musicians, see, I have a really hard time with that because a lot of the modern musicians don't, you know, the stuff that my kids listen to, my, my kids, you know, my, my son apparently listens to heavy metal, and <laughs> he's, he said I wanted to take him to a concert. And he's like, no, I don't want to go to a heavy metal concert. I just want to listen to the music. <laughs> okay. That's okay, I guess I can understand that. You know, my daughter's listening to Paramore, and she's admitted to liking a Justin Bieber song, which kind of scared me a little bit. <laughs> that my okay. my daughter's admitted to liking a Justin Bieber song. But as far as modern, current artists go, there you know, as far as at least popular artists go, there aren't that many that I would speak of. Okay. Or could even speak to, you know. Well, and a little bit later on the show, we have a band out here called Pop Life, and they're like rock, a soul band. They're on America's Got Talent, and they are one of the finalists. So when you get a chance, uh, if you see them on there, hopefully they win. They're from the Bay Area, Oakland side. Oh, that and, would be nice. Uh, I actually lived in Fremont until I was 12. Wow. So <laughs> I, I was in the Bay Area there up until I was 12. Well, you must have brought the earthquakes out there, Norman, because we're not having them, and uh, I'm going to bite my... Yeah, well, I decided uh, to bring them out with me because I'd miss them otherwise. <laughs> how how old, um, Ian had asked, how old are your daughters and your kids? We were interested in their age. My kids are uh, 12 and 13, respectively. My son's 12, my daughter's 13. And are any of them musically inclined? Do they play any instruments? Or well, when my son was about eight years old, he saved up all his money and he bought himself a bass. And it, to this point, his arms are still just a little too short for him to be able to play it. And I, it, it, I shortly after picked up a bass on my own so I could try and help him learn. And you know, we've sat down with him a few times, and he's just—he's a little too, little too short yet to get his hands quite around the neck of the bass the way he wants to to play it. Oh wow. So does he have any um, bass players that that he's looking at to, to emulate, or he just picked it up because he liked he just, the bass, or did he influence him? He liked the bass and he picked it up. Actually, he didn't really, you know, have anybody in in particular as far as bass players that he just, you know, admires. But he just he liked the instrument, and that was the one he chose when he decided to pick up an instrument. And do you do you play instrument? Um, I play a little bit of bass, and that's about it. Okay. Well, the apple don't fall too far from the tree there. That's uh, And uh, did you share Al Jolson with him, by the way? Does he know who Al Jolson is? <laughs> um, honestly, no, I don't think he knows who Al Jolson is. Hmm. They, 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 know who fish is they know who fish are because of me and their mother, and, and aside from that, as far as our music goes, I think they could just do without it at this point. Good Al. Wow. Wow. That was my blitz of questions there, Ian. I, I gave him a blitz of questions, and he came through with flying colors. I, I think we got a great, we have a great guest here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, excellent flying. Excellent flying, Norman. Norman, any final thoughts about about the roles being a parent that you are, um, the role of parents like in the lives of children as they listen to music and discover music and embrace. Embrace those artists who are really going to shape their identity, just not just as a fan, but as a person. Well, see, I think the reality of it is what we play for our kids, the music that we end up playing for our kids will, in the end, stick with them. Like, you know, 
it, it took me forever to realize that the music my dad was playing for me was something worth listening to. And I imagine with my kids, it'll be the same. You know, years from now, they'll pick up a great big C CD or something and go, hey, Dad used to listen to this all the time. And they may get into it then versus, you know, expecting that my kids are going to immediately be fish fans and stuff like that, and then I'm going to be dragging them to fish shows with me. I kind of don't expect that from my kids. I I expect that maybe 10 or 20 years down the road, they'll hear something that I used to play all the time, and they'll recognize it, and they'll recognize it for what it is, which is, you know, really good music. Excellent. Well, Norman, we thank you very much for joining us today. Hey, no problem. You guys have a good day. You too. Thanks. Yep. Right. Right, Bye. Thank you, Norman, for joining us. Jay, how was that? Hey, that was wonderful. Norman was great. Uh, A lot of history there. And he took us way back. I have a little joke. He took us way back when dirt was young. (laughs) Because going back to Al Jolson, you know, most kids and most people don't know that uh, that guy is just like going back to Ray Charles, you know. It's kind of like he's back there today and um, uh, a lot of history is there. And just so people know that, you know, a lot of times music wasn't as fair as it is now and people couldn't express themselves back in the day. And Al Jolson opened up a lot of doors. So I give great thanks to Norman for bringing that bit of history to our audience Um I think that's great, and that's great information. So you guys go get get a chance. Uh, you can check out the Al Joseph's Wikipedia and learn a little bit. Maybe we'll post it on our our site. Maybe it already yeah. is up. I already posted it on our Facebook, so you can take a look at it. It says his birth name was Asa Yolson. It became Al Jolson. and wow, and. It's just amazing, just the whole idea of just listening to your parents' music and appreciating it. I remember it might have been, it was a decade ago, I remember, I went, actually went to a James Taylor concert, and I was sitting there, and there were people, young people younger, people older, and I thought, I saw the guys, like, sitting, like, in the same row, I was like, this guy could be my dad. And it was a weird, it was a weird, it was a good weird, but it was, the idea or just like I've mentioned many times on the show before, just so blubberingly like like hearing like the Beatles in the car, not knowing it was the Beatles, and then years later hearing it, I'm like, Wow. This is what it was. Wow. Right, right. And in in hearing the Beatles back then and listening to them twenty years later, now I you know, you get now that we get who it is, let's see if we've got Jay, Jay Logan. I think Jay has been, doesn't say he's been booted off the phone yet, so I'm going to trust that he's there. But yeah, 20 years later, that you experience it in a very different way. And yes, the Beatles has been a... A popular thing. Okay, Jay, we can hear your voice again. You actually dropped off for a few seconds. I'm not sure if you know that. Oh, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know I dropped off. Um, you dropped. All I heard was 20 years later, and and then it was like you disappeared. So, but yeah, just, oh, okay. Just like hearing like your parents' music 
not through the eyes of a child, but the eyes through an adult. Even bring yourself back, like, even in terms of level of nostalgia, like, there's nostalgia of the, the time. Like, when there's, like, TV shows from the 1980s or the 1990s you can find on YouTube. But the idea that, like, a big part of the 80s was music from the 70s. And just, I mean, being, I'm just music that came from a time before I was born, before I was even on this planet. Like, I probably like to say that I was alive when all four Beatles were alive. Yes, John Lennon died, like, when I was two and a half years old, but I still was alive when all four Beatles were here. Right. Right. Um, what's, uh, what's good about that is that you were here when they all walked the planet, and so you felt a little bit of the impact, and... Uh, uh, just, just, just knowing how great, a, you know, the Beatles will never be the same without John Lennon. I mean, he's, I mean, any the of Beatles those guys, the right? I don't know if any like, of the other I mean, guys they would have been different, but you can't have the Beatles without John Lennon. You know that. Yeah. Although it's like a, sometimes it's like a very like weird, what if, what if John Lennon didn't die? What if the Beatles recorded? reunited in the 80s and recorded new albums in the 80s and in the 90s. What if, like, the Beatles were, like, the musical guest on the Arsenio Hall show? That, like, all these, like, crazy what-ifs, like, if, like, they weren't necessarily from, not even so much from an era. I mean, yeah, they were there in the 60s and the 70s, and they had... They had the big TV bopper phase. They had the big, like, okay, we're no longer touring anymore. Let's just record really cool albums phase. Like, you don't know what would have happened had they stayed alive. But that's that's one of those things we'll never know. I mean, but at the same time, the fact that they are not the Beatles without all four of them is something that some bands don't do. Like, you have so many... I mean, there's so many, like, heavy metal bands, hair bands from the 80s who continue to tour today, continue to play the little clubs, but most of the original members are missing, or sometimes even the lead singers are replaced, yet they're touring under a brand name. Like, the fact that you had The Who, like, headline the Super Bowl halftime show a few years ago, yet only two of the founding members of the band are even still alive. And the fact that they were able to tour, the fact that they tour as the who sometimes is a little questionable. Right. Well, yeah, it's like right now it's like who is in the band, you know? So who you know, is uh, a who? How many who's make <laughs> a who? Horton, yeah. here's the who. Who is the who? Is the who. Although I'm sure the real reason CBS had them play the halftime show was a thank you for CSI. Right. Since they they play the theme songs of, since their songs are used to theme songs for like throughout the whole CSI franchise. So that's all it is. All I can say is that there is music today, there is music yesterday. The fact that music is recorded and a lot of music is just digitally preserved allows people to be able to listen to it, like, forever. 
even as business models right. changed. I mean, the Beatles were like that lone holdout forever until they finally got to iTunes. Like, you go onto Spotify today, you can't find the Beatles on Spotify. And there's certain artists where you just can't get them, even, like, on, as I said, Spotify. I'll right. say it again. Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, 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 that you have, I mean, there is, there was the old way of making music. And there will, in the future, there will be new old ways of making music. Like, what Lady Gaga is doing today might not necessarily work 20 years from now with someone new. Or right. you've got, like, the whole, like, Dustin Bieber circle. Or just even, like, just a progression of musicians into actors. I mean, who would have thought, like, in the early 90s that Ice-T would be a long-time lead on a primetime drama on NBC? I mean, yeah, you would have never known or- Yeah, or you've got, would have you know, that. Right. Or even like last night I saw this horrible movie about this what alleged about the alleged last Apollo mission. That's all I'm gonna talk about. But there was a trailer for a movie starring Justin Timberlake. When did Justin Timberlake become like switch like pivot from being this boy band lead singer to being like a being like a Hollywood actor and a real Hollywood actor and someone who's, he became famous because of his music, but he doesn't necessarily make that much music anymore yet. He remains to be famous and successful and considered a big star. Like, like you don't know what's going to happen next. Even like you have like all of those like, Sunday morning political talk shows or even like even like on sports like you see so many athletes who have become TV personalities I mean Charles Barkley has Charles Barkley is still famous today I mean he hosted Saturday Night Live earlier this season and he retired from the NBA 10 years ago just amazing keeping just keeping that fame, I mean, the fact that, like, he's had such a long run on on TNT with his, I mean, being, like, being a commentator for television, basketball television coverage. He seems like he's making more money now than he was uh, as a uh, player. But obviously, there's a little less physical limits to being a television commentator than actually playing. I mean, I mean, like look at Shaq. Shaq has Shaq is certainly not an A-list celebrity or actor, but he stayed forever. He like, I mean, he, I mean, he played in the NBA for almost 20 years, and in the last few years, he wasn't that much of a factor. The fact that he was able to continue to get a paycheck from a professional basketball team while producing television shows and being and making movies and music, I mean, a lot of it in front of the camera, a lot behind the scenes. Like, there's a lot of staying power about... That's the thing about music. 
music doesn't necessarily need to be musician. Uh, the fact that we are all human beings. We are not just one person. I mean, right. I mean, we, I mean, Jay, for example, yourself, you are a musician, but that's not the only thing you are. You make music, right. but you also like you're also a sports fan. You're a father. You are you are a host of this wonderful show called Parents Kids Music. Like I I I know this has been a little like uneven just as I've been I'll be honest, I've kind of been rambling for like just the last 5 minutes. But the fact is, you could be anything and don't and what I'm suggesting to the audience is don't limit yourself if that makes sense at all. Right. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. So, so, yeah, so, so, what are you saying? Jay? I would like to. I would like to also. Like I was talking earlier about. Uh, I'm very happy about our newfound stars here in the Bay Area pop life. They're the finalists on America's Got Talent, and they're little kids ranging from 14 to 17 or 18. And they they brought a lot to the Bay Area. A lot of the kids here are very excited about them. Um, gives kids a feeling that they can be anything they want if they get a chance here in Oakland. And so I'm sending a shout out to the Pop Life. I'm very proud of them, and I'm I'm proud of uh, our community for supporting the group. And they're our finalists. So those five guys and a girl could win a million dollars. And you know, make sure you guys check wow. them out. And uh, that yeah, is yeah. very that so, is very cool. That. You, that you've got your local story and that they've been able to make it to the finals of, of a nationally yeah. televised music competition. It's just amazing and, to think that it's there. Yeah, and they used uh, Come Together, they used a Beatles song to make the top finalists come together. They wow. Did a and it was, you can look at it on YouTube. Uh, it's great. Um I really, I'm just proud of them, you know, I'm proud of them because, you know, kids can find anything to do out here, and these kids come together to do music and some positive, and just to see some positive stuff come out of this, it's wonderful. So that's why I've been raving, I've been raving with our last show, and so, um, and I know them, you know, I've talked to them, I know their parents, and I'm just so happy that uh, uh, they're out there and they're doing great, so you guys uh Check them out. See if you might vote for Excellent. them. Pop Life. It's P O P L Y F E dot com. Pop Life with a Y. Got it. Pop Life. Right. So, so Jay, I mean, it's a very exciting thing, and this is a question which I know we've been asking on many shows, and I think that today it's very important that we ask this question. So, Jay, what is your treasure? Got that. Wow. My treasure is my kid this week going to school and doing great in school and furthering her education. And, you know, she's got seven periods, so she has to deal with seven teachers and seven sets of kids and get along. So I'm hoping only that she has the social skills to be able to work through the kids and get along. And that's my treasure, educating kids, kids being educated. And that's my treasure for this week. Excellent, Jay. Thank you very much. And do you have a question for me? Yes, I have a question for you. Um, what's in your wallet? No. My question for you, Ian, is what is your treasure.net? Um, $2.32. <laughs> 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 
What is my treasure? My treasure is that my family and my friends here on the East Coast, that we are safe this week. That the hurricane was not as tough and scary as warned. And that things are retreating. And that I know that there are people out there, there are good people out there that will support those that are in need. Like, I know, in Vermont, where the hurricane really did hit them hard. And so I'm just, I'm grateful that I am alive and that I am in a position where I can help people out if they are needed. And and I, I encourage everyone to just reach out and just find what's important in your life be able to help acknowledge that, yes, I have what I have, and that's great. And also to be able to reach out a hand to those who may need it in the moment. And I think that is my expanded what is my treasure this week. Yep, so Jenny. Yes. Absolutely. That's excellent. So, Jay, would you like to know when next week's show is? Oh, uh, yeah, I would like to know. That's good information. I think I should know. Very I'll, good I'll, information. I, I think you, Jay Logan, should know when next week's show is going to be. Also, while we're at it, we will tell everyone as well that next week's show will be on Thursday. It will be seven days from today. That will be Thursday, September 8th, 2011. And that will be at 3 p.m. on the East Coast. 12 noon on the West Coast, kind of like today. And we are looking forward to seeing you then, Jay. Wonderful. I will be there. Excellent. So do you have any final thoughts for the day before we go and see you next week? Uh, um, no, the only thought I have to do, I, I want to say, is um, I'm going to give a nice shout-out to Norman. I really appreciate him uh, bringing some history uh, to the show. And uh, thank you, Norman. Great guest. Excellent. Thank you very much, Norman. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will listen to you next week. We thank you very much, everyone. Thank you.